Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to those that are here, those that are joining us online. I'll kind of echo what, what Aaron was saying there. We're super excited to have you really be a part of Dollar Club this month and uh, get to see the blessing that comes into your life as you bless others um, and bring the joy of Christ into someone else's life. So we're excited for that, excited to hear back on some of those stories from you guys. So take advantage of that as you leave here today. Let me pray for us. God, we pause uh, in the busyness of this season as we hustle around from one party to the next and all the, the gatherings that happen. God, we are thankful for a time where we can slow down. We can enter into your presence and experience the, the peace that comes as we gather as your people and you meet with us. So God, we need to hear from you. Spirit, do your work. Meet us where we are as we open up our lives to your word. Speak into us. Um, so we can leave here changed as a result. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, River Ridge, you made it. This is the, I know, that's been an amazing year. This is the last official message of this year-long series called Relevant. We've gone through the whole Bible in the year. And at the beginning of the year, we knew we were going from Genesis to Revelation. And we knew then that we would be in Revelation during Christmas. And I was as curious as you were to see how Andy was actually going to handle that. And lo and behold, through some trickeration and deceit, I'm up here giving the message on... <laughs> Thank you, Andy. So, Merry Christmas, turn to Revelation 1. That's the tie-in. Actually, this is actually a great way for us to, to enter into Christmas because Christmas is all about the anticipation of the first coming of Jesus. In Revelation is equally filled with the anticipation of his second coming. And as first coming, we, we see the baby and a humble manger. But in Revelation, we see this conquering king that comes back in power and majesty. His first coming brought redemption for all of humanity through his sacrifice. And his second coming is going to bring the restoration of all things, a, a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation shows us the conclusion of God's redemptive plan that we've been studying all year. We've been watching the story arc of God's story that, that started in creation, and then there was a fall, and there was redemption, and ultimately there is going to be a restoration. We began with Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In that creation, God declared good. Everything about it was good. He created man and woman, and it was good, and they had this amazing fellowship and relationship with him as they walked with him through the Garden of Eden but through the temptation of Adam and Eve that rebelled against God and sin entered the world and it destroyed everything. It broke the relationship between God and man. And throughout the Old Testament, we read about this plan of redemption. And God's plan of salvation centers on Jesus. Jesus came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live and he died the death that we deserved. And what we find in scripture is that when we place our faith, when we place our trust on what Jesus did, then our lives are redeemed. Our lives are purchased and we're, we're set free. But that's not the end of the story because Jesus would one day come again and he'll restore all things. And when you get to the end of God's story, when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, it's almost like we're back in Genesis again creation is restored back to shalom to peace to the way that it was meant to be and that brings us to the book of revelation how many of you when you read or if you've tried to read through the book of revelation there's just equal parts of excitement and and fear intrigue and confusion 
when you read through it, like, I, what do we do with all this stuff? Reading Revelation is like being dropped into a completely different world in the Bible. If you start reading through the New Testament and you, you start reading through the, the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we learn about who Jesus is and we read about his miracles and his teachings and we can kind of follow along with those and then you get into the letters of Paul and Peter and the others, uh, the, these letters that are written to the, the early church and we can kind of track along with that as well where they, they teach us about the character of God and the, the mercy of God and, and the gospel of grace and then tell us how do we live in response to that. And then all of a sudden you get to Revelation and you have a beast with, with seven heads and 10 horns and an antichrist and a false prophet and the, and the number 666 and it's just disorienting. And it's hard to decipher what all these symbolic gestures are meant to be in our lives. And while that can be confusing, the bigger picture of the book of Revelation is crystal clear. And that's what I want us to focus in on this morning. And to get us started, I want to start by giving us some context about what this book is, what this letter is all about. And it's found in the first chapter of Revelation. It says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything that he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we find out here that the book of Revelation is written by the Apostle John. It's written around 95 AD, and John is now the last living apostle. All the other apostles have been martyred um, for their faith by the Roman government. And now John is now exiled on this prison island called Patmos. Kind of think of Alcatraz back in their day. And now John is completely um, exiled. And at this time, the, the, the church is under severe persecution. Christians are being hunted down by the Roman government. They're being fed to, to, to lions. And the church is still growing, but it seems like the bad guys are winning. And so Jesus appears to John in this prison cell, and he gives him this revelation, this vision of how God sees the world and how he sees the, the spiritual forces that are, that are, are unfolding before them. He, he kind of pulls back the curtain and, and shows John and shows these early readers there's more at stake than what you really see. And then he lets John see the future in a way that, that no one could ever imagine. And he shows God's plan to, to fully and finally restore all things. You see, the, the, the point of Revelation is not to give you some kind of specific timeline. It's not meant to, to uh, give us revelation or to help you identify who the false prophet is or, or who the Antichrist is. When you look at the book as a whole, you see what God's ultimate plan is, that the fulfillment of his plans will lead to hope. And I think that's the big thing that I want us to understand is that revelation is a message of hope. The, the first readers, the, 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 the believers in these early churches, they were facing unimaginable horrors. The, the, there was just intense persecution and their lives were falling apart. Their loved ones were getting killed and their lives were filled with, with worry and fear and, and there seemed to be no hope. Maybe you're here this morning and you can relate to some of that. Maybe you're here this morning and it feels like your life is falling apart and you don't really see a lot of hope. If so, the, then you can put yourself in a similar shoes as them and you can read this letter through the same eyes that they did and you can get a picture of the hope that they would have when they realized that God was saying this isn't how it's going to end this isn't going to last forever it's not going to keep going on like this God's going to bring an end to this someday and he's going to make things right 
and we're gonna spend eternity with him in his heaven. This letter was written to give hope to those that are hurting. So we're gonna spend our last message in this, in this series talking about God's plans, his final plans for eternity because that's how God concludes this book, this last book that's in our Bibles. It's pointing us towards this life to come. It's pointing us to make sure that we are looking at eternity. I love how Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, he says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. There's something in all of us, whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, there's something in all of us that longs for something more than this earthly life. When we look and we read the, the, the news lines and we see the pain and we see the, the, the senseless deaths and it seems like the endless wars that are taking place, there is something inside all of us that yearns for something more, that says this life can't be all that there is, that there's something about the discontentment and the unhappiness that happens in this earthly life that gives us a hunger for heaven. But so often we, we busy ourselves and we distract ourselves because we don't want we don't really want to think about death. We don't want to think what happens after death. But the end of our Bibles won't let us do that. The end of our Bibles forces us to look at eternity. And it paints this vivid picture of the realities of eternal life. And it paints this picture of a clear choice that has to be made. So with that as a backdrop, we're going to turn to Revelation 21. And we're going to see how God describes what heaven is going to be like. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what heaven's going to be. A lot of people think heaven's going to be boring because in their mind they think, I'm just floating around on clouds listening to chubby angels play the harp all day. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But that is not the picture that, that God gives to John. John records, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and, and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. What an amazing picture of God's goodness, that, that he has a plan to restore all things. So I wanna give us four words that, that describe and capture what heaven will be like. The first is renewal. John describes a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is not this, this dreamlike, colorless realm that we will live in. It's a renewed and a remade heaven and earth. In the same way that we are promised that God's gonna take these perishable and mortal bodies and somehow resurrect them to immortality and make them imperishable, he's gonna do the same thing with heaven and earth. That somehow he is going to resurrect and recreate earth where everything is perfect. The renewed heaven and earth will have everything that we love about this earth, but without the tarnish of sin. The fact is, even the most beautiful thing that you can think of right now is still tainted by sin. So with that in mind, can you imagine what a, what a glorified Hawaii will look like? Can you imagine what, what a glorified Mount Everest will look like? Or what a glorified ribeye will taste like? 
Or, or some of Annie's cookies where, where they're just miraculously, the calories no longer add to my waistline. It'll be just like the Garden of Eden. I mean, it, heaven will be indescribably better than the best image that you have in your mind. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Hey, what an incredible verse. Heaven is beyond our wildest imagination. So imagine the perfect world, whatever that is for you. I mean, if it's peace, just think of absolute tranquility, boundless love, never-ending joy and happiness. Think about the most beautiful place that you've ever been. Think about your favorite memory of your life. Get that firmly fixed in your mind. Dream about it. Long about it. And then smile as you hear your heavenly father remind you, heaven is better. You're not even close. Even at our most creative, even at the highest parts of our thinking, we can't imagine the heaven that God has in store for us. And, And I think that when Jesus says, I'm making everything new, he meant everything. Mountains and rivers and oceans and planets and stars, everything that is truly good, everything that is beautiful in this world will be there. And I think that also means some of the man-made creations. I I think that we will enjoy the best of culture, music and art and architecture and food, and we will have eternity to explore that and to experience this new heaven and earth, and we'll have these renewed and resurrected bodies to enjoy it. I know some of you, um, are, and I get that way too, I get bothered, I, I get depressed about aging and, and watching things kind of fall apart and the aches and the pains that come with age. I get it, I, I mean, I'm 48 now and there are times I wake up in the morning and I'm sore and all I did was sleep. Like, how do I, what do I do? I just roll over from one side to the other. How, how am I hurt? But the good news is that there is a glorified version of our bodies that are awaiting us. They, that there is a new version, a renewed version, a resurrected version of our minds and our bodies. Heaven is a renewal of everything that is good and everything that is beautiful without the presence of sin. The the second thing that we see is that heaven will be a reunion. I I love this promise. Heaven will be this time of reunion with other believers and with God himself. Look at what John says in verse three. He says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. Heaven is where we will be reunited together. In heaven, we're gonna be with our family, um, be with our friends, those that, those that we have loved that have gone on in faith in Jesus. And on hard times, this promise lifts me up, brings a smile to my face. Because there's a promise that one day I'll see my Katie again. One day I'll see my grandfather and, and friends that I have loved that, that went way too early. And there will be this sweet reunion with the people that I love that have placed their faith in Jesus. But, but the greatest reunion will be with God himself. If you think about it, I mean, a, a beautiful and perfect earth, it's nice, but it's inadequate. I, our deepest desire is to be reunited and to have a perfect relationship and fellowship with our heavenly father. Nothing else will truly satisfy that ache in our lives. 
as you read through the book of Revelation, there are several pronouncements that are made from the throne. And this is the last one. This is the last pronouncement. And some scholars state that, that because it's the last time, because it's the last pronounce it, pronouncement, it is maybe the most important announcement. It's as if God is saying, finally it's done. It's restored. It's back to the way that I designed it and created it to be. It's the way that I wanted it. My, my children are with me and I will be their God and they will be my people. And scripture tells us over and over again that, that our mortal bodies, that in our mortal flesh, that, that we can't stand to be in the presence of, of God's purity and God's perfection. But in our resurrected bodies, we'll be able to walk with him. We'll be able to have fellowship with him just like in the Garden of Eden and we'll never feel the, the darkness of loneliness or abandonment or fear. Heaven's greatest joy is reunion. And we will enjoy God's constant presence and his love in our lives forever. That is the eternity that God has set in our hearts. That we have a reunion waiting with him. So reu renewal, reunion, and then thirdly, release. That, that we will be released from the pain and the sorrow and the grief and we will never suffer again. Heaven is the presence of everything good and perfect and beautiful and it is the absence of everything bad and painful and evil. He says it this way in verse four. He says, he, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Think no more death. No more sad goodbyes. In the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more chronic illness, no more aching joints, no more cancer. I mean, think about that. No, no more ERs, no more ICUs, no more cancer wards, no more children's hospitals, no more funeral homes, no more homicide departments. No more tears means no more depression, no more fears, no more worry, no more sleepless nights, no more relational conflict, no more divorce, no more wars, no more injustice or racism. I love the promises that one day he will wipe away our tears. One day the, the very same hands that were pierced for my sins will wipe away my tears. And some people ask sometimes when they, when they read that, when Jesus wipes away our tears, will that mean that we won't have any recollection uh, of our lives because of the pain that was in there? And I don't think so. I, I think what it means is that when he does that, he'll transform our pain into joy because in that moment, we will know in full and we'll be able to look back and see how he used everything. Every moment of our lives that he weaved together, that he wove together in order to make something beautiful and glorious. That because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we, we've already been saved from the penalty of sin, but in heaven, we'll be free also from the power of sin, the presence of sin, even the, the pain that sin causes in our lives. That's the final work of salvation, that we will finally experience what life is like without sin, that we'll be perfect, that we will be sinless, no more stumbles, no more temptation, no more lusting or gossip or pride, that, that I'll finally be able to look out of these eyes without 
insecurity or, or selfishness or jealousy that can sometimes cloud my heart in the way that I view the world. Heaven will be this gathering of all of God's children. We'll be together and there'll be no more comparing, no more competition or division or hurry. We'll be able to enjoy fellowship together forever. Whatever you think of heaven, it will be better. This is the heaven that God has prepared for his children to enjoy. And that kind of leads to this last part that I want us to talk through, is that heaven is reserved. Scripture tells us that, that heaven is reserved for God's children, that, that is reserved for those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Now, the invitation to heaven, it, it's open to all. But, but you have to reserve your spot in, in heaven by, by choosing to trust that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the Savior and the Lord of your life. And this goes against a, a lot of what people think about heaven. Most people wrongly believe that, that heaven is kind of the, the default destination for everyone, that everyone kind of ends up there. It doesn't really matter what you believe. Most people end up in heaven but because a good God would let good people into his good heaven. And I'm good, right? I mean, after all, I haven't killed anybody and I, I try to do the right thing. And so in a lot of ways, people just think that if I don't really mess it up, that heaven is the default destination for everyone. But that's not what scripture teaches. God gave John a vision of the final judgment that takes place in Revelation 20. He says, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it and the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, both great and small standing before God's throne and the books were opened including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books and the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds and then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire this lake of fire is the second death and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire so Picture what John saw there, what, what is going to happen. Everyone who has ever existed is brought before this throne, great and small, kings to peasants. Everyone will be there. And, and it says that these books will be opened. And these books contain everything that you have ever done. Think about that. As you think back on your life, roll the tape. Everything that you have ever done has been recorded, the good and the bad. What's known what's been kept in secret. Everything will be made known. I think most people, when they think about eternity and what this judgment will look like, they, they kind of think in terms of a scale. And on this side is all the good stuff that I've done, and on this side is all the bad stuff that I've done. And if I can do, do just a few more good things than bad things, then it'll tip in my favor. That's how most people think that this judgment will take place. There is a scale, but it's not that one. On one side is God's perfection as revealed in his word. And on the other side is your life that's written in the book of deeds. And what it says is if you don't match God's perfection in everything you've ever done, in your thoughts, in your deeds, in your attitudes, then the scale doesn't tip in your favor. You see, God can't allow any kind of sin into his presence. He can't allow sin into heaven. That's the bad news. The bad news is that the books of deeds of the things that you have done declare and prove that you are guilty. And if that were the end, then all of us would end up in the lake of fire. That would be the destiny 
of all of us. If we are judged by our deeds, then our destiny is eternal separation from God's presence and God's goodness. But luckily, thankfully, that's not the only book. There's also the book of life. And in the book of life are all the names of the people that have placed their faith in Jesus. And the weight of the book of life is the weight of Jesus's perfection and the weight of Jesus's righteousness. So for believers, your judgment is not based on what you have done. Your judgment is based on what he has done. And at the cross, Jesus took on all of our sins, all of our misdeeds, and he wiped the record clean. But he didn't stop there. He went on and then he credited us his righteousness, his perfection, so that now we can enter into the presence of a holy God, the presence of a perfect God. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news that's actually found throughout scripture and it's found in Revelation. You see, the book of Revelation is not just a book about the future. It's a book about your future. It's a very personal book. Every single one of us is mentioned in this book. Maybe not by name, but everyone is mentioned because at the end of time, where you're going to be standing in heaven with all the believers gathered around worshiping Jesus for eternity or we're going to be standing with the unbelievers at the great white throne judgment and experience banishment away from God an eternal separation from him forever and again I want to remind you God wants all to experience his presence and experience his heaven forever the invitation is open to all but he won't force anyone you have to choose to trust who Jesus is. Jesus says, come to me, believe me. Choose to trust me. Choose to put your faith in what I have done and what I have accomplished for you and I will set you free forever. And I'll let you experience the goodness of God forever in heaven. So what do we do with this message? How does this apply to our lives? Well, I will say if you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision yet, that's your application. To... to and I would love to sit down with you, open up scripture and show you what it is that scripture says about you and what the plan of salvation looks like and how it is that you can actually place your faith in Jesus. If you have not done that, I would love to, Andy, all of us, we'd love to sit down with you and show you what scripture reveals about who God is. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, I wanna give us three quick applications. The first is to rest in God's promise of heaven, to, to really rest in it. One of the reasons that, that we have the book of Revelation is to give us confidence, to give us security, to give us assurance about what awaits us in heaven. And if you are a believer in Christ, you don't need to fear death. God will do what he has promised to do. He will make all things new. He will restore all things that are broken and he will welcome you into his presence, into his heaven to experience that forever so you can rest in that you don't have to worry you can have assurance and security the second thing is that live with an eternal perspective so often and it's easy to do but so often we get into this rut and we live as if this world and this earthly life is all that there is and our tendency is to to focus our time and our attention on what matters now what i have what i look like what's in my bank account what people think about me and we get so centered on this life, but scripture reminds us over and over again that this life that we focus all of our attention on is like a mist. 
And in comparison to what awaits us in eternity, this life is brief. It's momentary. It's fleeting. We're here for just a moment. And then it fades away like the morning fog. And we need reminded as believers that this world is not our home. And the hope of heaven should, should loosen our grip and lessen our love for this earthly life. This world and this earthly life will never satisfy the longings of our heart because God placed eternity in our hearts. That our, our citizenship is in heaven. Our home is in heaven already. And God has given us a mission to, to expand his kingdom, to, to share the good news of his grace to all. So it really comes down to what, a question of investment. Where are you investing your life? And why do we find ourselves spending so much of our time and our energy investing in things that won't last beyond this earthly life instead of investing in things that we know that will last forever? We're a mist and then we're gone. So we need this reminder that, I know for me, I, I, want, I want my life to matter. I want my life to make a difference. I, I want it to count for something. I, I want to walk through life with, with some spiritual urgency. I want to be consumed with, with serving and loving and, and showing the grace of God so that others can experience what I have. The fact is that, that every person that you see, every person that you meet will spend eternity somewhere. And what we're reminded of today is that heaven is real, hell, hell is real, and people's eternities are real. And we want to be a part of I want to be a part of getting as many people into heaven to experience the goodness and grace of God forever. So we need to live with an eternal perspective. We need to live with some spiritual urgency. And then lastly, let heaven inspire your worship at Christmas. As we finish up this Advent season, we finish up these last few days as we turn our hearts, we turn our minds to Christmas and Jesus' first coming. Let's let the hope of heaven and the hope of Jesus' second coming elevate our love and elevate our adoration and our worship for what he has done what started in a manger will end on a throne and God will do what he has promised to do and we'll get to experience his presence we'll get to experience his goodness forever because of what Jesus did on our behalf we have a great Christmas Eve service planned for you next week I invite you to come back it's going to be a unique experience we're going to look back Again, kind of the totality of what Scripture says about the hope that we have in Jesus. It, it'll be a great opportunity for you to, to invite your friends or family. We've got three great services planned. But come with expectancy. Come with a renewed hope. Come walking in the assurance of what awaits us in heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the hope of heaven I know it's easy sometimes to, to just get distracted by this life but God thank you for gripping our attention and turning our attention to, to look beyond this life and into eternity that awaits us God I know for me just as I was preparing this week that these promises just brought so much hope and joy in my life to know that things will be different that you will make all things new and I get to experience reunion with family and friends and I get to experience 
a walk with you, an unbroken walk in fellowship with you. And never have to experience pain or sorrow or tears or suffering. God, you are so good. Thank you for the promise that awaits us. But God, we also recognize that not everyone here has placed their faith. Not everyone here will experience that at this point. So God, stir in their hearts. And if you are here, if you want to experience the assurance of heaven in your life, you, you can pray a very simple prayer. You say, God, I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I have rebelled against you and I need your forgiveness. So God, I'm turning to you and I, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the perfect son of God and that his death on the cross paid in full the penalty for my sin. So God, I, I accept that free gift from you and I will follow after you. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the kingdom. <laughs> I'd love to talk with you. But Father, for all of us, as we leave here and we turn our hearts towards you and towards Christmas, God, again, just renew our hope, renew our worship and our love and our adoration for all that you have done and all that you promise that you will do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, a couple real quick announcements as you guys leave. Um, if, Love for you guys to take part in Dollar Club. We'll have um, guest services at each of the doors. Grab one of those red envelopes, one per family. Go out and bless someone. Let us know what you did. And as you're leaving the parking lot, just make sure that you're mindful of the traffic guys that are out there. Follow the cones. Head out towards the light. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Love you guys. See you.